Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. Today we're in part number two of Mary and Martha talking about the death of Lazarus and what caused Jesus to know from the Holy Spirit what to do. We're not only guided by the Word of God, we're guided by the Holy Spirit. His Word and His Spirit are a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. Today is part number two. I think this is going to be four parts where we talk about Mary and Martha and compare the two with each other. The faith of Mary and the lack of faith in Martha. Both saved, both knew Jesus, but Mary has grown tremendously, matured tremendously in the things of God. Martha has not. And we found out yesterday as we took up Luke chapter 10, verse 37 through 42, about the difference in Mary. When Jesus walked through the door, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, brothers and sisters, those three formed a group that that whenever Jesus came by, he could be friends with them. Didn't have to be that spiritual, talk spiritual all the time. Didn't have to be, you know, a certain way that he was before the mall. He could just, he needed friends. And these people were friends and Jesus could drink coffee with them and, you know, do things like that. And Mary just loved to sit at his feet and just hear him talk. And I remember my my uh, uh, daughter, as uh, you know, she was growing up. She liked to hang around the adults. My son went off by himself, and he would just play with toys and things like that. But my daughter loved to be. She loved to hear the stories, and she was just and she would just be amazed at the stories that her grandma would tell and her mom and dad would tell, and the and the history and all that. She loved that, and we couldn't get her to leave the room because that's just what she loved to do. She, I mean, if there was any other kids there, she might go with them, but she preferred to be around the adults. Welcome to Mary. I mean, there are the stuff going on in the room and people talking, fellowship and drinking coffee, eating Martha's cookies, whatever it may be. When Jesus was talking, she was at his feet, probably had her arms on his feet and looking up at him from the floor, listening to every word that he had to say. This was her love in life. And this was what Jesus called when comparing her to Martha, the better portion. In other words, they're eating cookies. She's eating the word of God. She has chosen the better food of the two. So today we're gonna take a look at John chapter 10. We're extending the story because there's gonna be four parts to this story, but three times when Mary and Martha uh, are faced with Jesus and Mary's going to fail. Martha's going to fail too, but Mary's going to fail. Martha basically doesn't get back up in failure, but Mary does. What makes Mary great is not the fact she didn't sin. It was not the fact that she didn't fail because we all fail at one time or another. What made Mary great was she got back up. Even David, after sinning with, uh, you know, uh, the killing of of Bathsheba's husband and and making her pregnant and, and having an affair with her and eventually killing her husband so that he could marry her. I mean, with all that going on after a year, when he was presented with the fact he had sinned, when Nathan the prophet talked to him and told him the story of the ewe lamp and David finally saw where the story had gone and that he was the object of this story, the first thing he said was, I've sinned against the Lord. That's how quickly he asked for repentance. That's how quickly he repented before the Lord. David was not a man after God's own heart because he never sinned. He was a man after God's own heart because he was quick to repent when he did sin. And God made him a standard for kings after David was gone. So let's take the background here. John chapter 10, let's take a look at verse verse 37 through 42, we're going to take a look at the background of eventually when Jesus is going to raise uh, Lazarus from the dead, the brother of Mary and Martha. In John chapter 10, verse 37, it says this, 
Jesus said, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and that I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him. This is just about two weeks before the crucifixion of Jesus that all this happens. Jesus is gonna raise up Lazarus from the dead just before he's taken in to go and be crucified. So he says again in verse uh, 38, if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands and he went away again across the Jordan to a place where John had baptized him at first and there he stayed. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man is true and many believed in him there. So we have two weeks before the crucifixion. Jesus did not, he was not arrested. They tried to arrest him, but he just escaped from their hands. Why? Because it wasn't his time yet. You remember when Jesus uh, opened up on his first day of, of teaching? And the first thing he did was he went to his own hometown and there he spoke before the people he was raised around. At the end of, of his teaching, they were angry at him. Who does this kid think he is? Why, my rocking chair was made by him. I, he put this, you know, this porch on my house. I mean, they probably had all types of things that Jesus as a carpenter did. And they remember, and they said, he's always come here as his custom was and taught us from the word of God. But now he has the nerve to say that Isaiah and the passage he read from today is him. And today he's fulfilling this. In, uh, what, who does he think he is? And they got so angry at him, they tried to kill him by pushing pushing him off of a cliff. And the Bible said, Jesus just walked out from their presence. They couldn't handle him because why his time had not yet come. And when his time did come, he allowed himself to be arrested, allowed himself to be beaten, allowed himself to be crucified on a cross and all that because he knew that his time had come. He had lived, he'd lived out and fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. So this is two weeks before the crucifixion where this story happened and the Jews now try to kill Jesus openly, but Jesus, knowing his time hadn't come, under the protection of the Holy Spirit, just simply walked out from their presence. So Jesus again went away by the Jordan River, where John had first baptized him and he stayed there and people come and remembered it was only three years ago that Jesus was water baptized here by John the Baptist. And they said, they stopped and they said something, John didn't do any miracles. You do, but everything John said about you, we've watched you for three years, you have kept every word, and now we understand this. And at that time, many believed on him there. Jesus' testimony, not the fact he preached, didn't even say he preached in this passage, he just came there and sat, and the people came after three years looking at him saying, you have fulfilled every word that John the Baptist said about you. And because of that, verse 42, many believed in him there. Many believed in Jesus after he preached, there's times when Jesus preached and many believed on him. There's other times he did signs and wonders and people believed on him. But look at this. Jesus has kept his word and many people believed on him. Does this tell you something? It's important to witness to people. It's important to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. But it's also just as important as you live it. What good is it if you preach it and don't live it? And Paul said to those ministers in uh, the book of Acts chapter 20, he said, you have been with me at all seasons. He said, you've been with me from, uh, from uh, public to house to house. You've seen me in public and from house to house. Basically what happened was in public, 
where he was out preaching and in homes, he said, I live the same. And the same thing is true. The Bible tells us for whatever you do at your house, that's how you're gonna run the church of God. What do you look for in people's lives to place them in ministry positions that their life adds up to their testimony? They don't say one thing and do another. They live exactly what they say. They practice the word of God. Your lifestyle can bring many to the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time when I got my first job and I was sacking groceries and some woman complained about everything I did. I didn't put this in the right sack. I didn't put this in the right sack. And she was complaining. I took the stuff out to her car and she griped at me all the way out there, griped at how I put it in the car. And I mean, by the time that she, and then she didn't give me a tip. That, that, that was the final cherry on top. When I walked back in, I was angry. I was slamming those carts against each other and went down to the checkout stand. And the girl that was standing there at the register just looked at me. She said, I've never seen you get mad before. Boy, was I convicted. I had been living it up until then and I let that one lady get through to me and I just asked that lady to forgive me. And she said, we've just noticed there's something different about you. Yes, I'm a Christian, but you know what? I want to live it in front of people too. And the point of it is people can watch your lifestyle. And if you say one thing and live another way, they don't like it. But when you live exactly what you say and you say how you live, that's what happened with Jesus. Every prophecy about him had been true. What John the Baptist said about him had been true. And John the Baptist has now been gone for three years and Jesus is still living it in front of other people. And it said many believed in him. Again, this is two weeks before the crucifixion. The Jews are now going to try to kill Jesus openly. They've been trying behind the scenes, but now what they're doing is they're just simply saying, listen, if we stab him to death, it's worth it. If someone goes to prison because they stabbed Jesus to death, we don't care. We just want Jesus out of the way. And they even had assassins that probably said, we're willing to do that. We'll kill him. If we're caught, we're caught. But on the other hand, if you want him dead that bad, and so they went after Jesus, but they had never met anybody under the protection of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, no man can take my life from me. I lay it down when I want to. I pick it up when I want to. And when Jesus was ready, he finally assigned himself over to them. They thought they now had him. In fact, that's whenever the king said to him, don't you know we have the power to take your life? Jesus said, no, you don't. I lay it down of my accord. I pick it up of my accord. No man has the power to take my life from me. And so Jesus has been protected by the Holy Spirit up until now. And within two weeks of this time, now Jesus will allow himself to be taken and to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. Let's go to John chapter 11. Here's the story of the death of Lazarus. And so we'll be taking this up now and when we come back from the break also. But let's take a look at John chapter 11. We're gonna read down through verse 16, starting in verse one. It says, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. This is the brother, again, of Mary and Martha. It said, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. We read that and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent for him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They now pulling on the friendship of Jesus and said, Jesus, you love him so much, please come and prove it by again, healing him of this disease. It says in verse four, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. In other words, 
the occasion of the sickness. He goes on to say, it is for the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified through it. People often take this verse of scripture and say that sickness can come from God to give him glory. That's not what it was. It wasn't the sickness Jesus was talking about. It was the occasion. God was going to take the occasion of the sickness here of Lazarus and use it for his glory. Sickness comes from Satan, but God can even take the evil things of life and turn it around for his good. That's Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. This sickness was not good, but God's going to turn the situation around and something Satan meant for evil to kill him is going to turn around and many are going to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior through how God's going to turn this around in the ministry of Jesus. So again, it says in this verse of scripture, when they found out that he was sick, Jesus says to his disciples, this illness is not will not lead to death. Although it's going to lead to physical death, Jesus will raise him from the dead. He said, this is, illness does not lead to death. It, that is the occasion of the sickness, is for the glory of God. So the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Notice this, he heard he was sick and he knew he was gonna physically die. But here's the point of it. He stayed two days longer where he was. Jesus knew what he was doing because he not only depended on the Holy Spirit to keep him alive, he depended on the Holy Spirit to guide him. And right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't go, just stay here where you are. So he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, his disciples said to him, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day or in the daylight, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. When we come back, we'll take up from that exact same spot, finish this story, and you're going to be blessed by Mary and how her response was. At some point, every Christian will face opposition and heartache, trials and tribulations, failures and falls. But if we follow after God's word, these things will never produce defeat in a believer. If we follow after the Word of God, these things will produce a whole new appreciation for Jesus. Mary and Martha, Faith for the Crisis, is an in-depth study of Mary and Martha. The lessons highlight the importance of the Word of God to our lives and teach us what we must do when faced with the troubles of this life. Message titles include A Great Woman of Faith, light in the darkness, when your whole world collapses. I only have eyes for you. To order Faith for the Crisis, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. 
Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's go back to verse four and continue on as we're talking here about the story of when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. Jesus knew he would physically die, but he also knew he would raise him from the dead. So that's why he says this in verse four, this illness does not lead to death. It's going to, but it's not. What's he simply saying? Oh, he's gonna die, but I know the end result. Death will not be the end. Him coming back to life will be the end. And so when he goes on to say in that verse, It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. He was not referring to the sickness. He was referring to the occasion of the sickness. This whole thing, this whole story you're seeing unfold in front of you, God's going to turn this around for his glory. Even in the midst of your life, when sickness comes, when there's a lack of finances in your life, when you've sinned in your life, you can't say in that situation, God made this. God made me sin. God made me sick. No, all that comes from Satan himself. But God can take an occasion where Satan comes in and actually turn it around. And instead of making it a point of destruction, it can be a stepping stone for your life to greater things. Many times people have taught behind my back. I can't say God made them do that for his glory. That's stupid. You don't do that. Nor does God make you sick for his glory. Isn't it interesting? If sickness brings glory to God, why did the people not bring, why didn't people lift up their hands and glorify God when people were sick? It said when the person was healed, the people gave glory to God. It's healing that brings glory to God. But God can take a bad situation and turn it around at the end of it, bring out something incredibly wonderful out of the evil the world wants to do to you. Think about this. Jesus went to the cross. Why? For our sin that on the other side of it, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Talk about taking something evil and making something something good out of it. Jesus did that. He literally went to the cross and became sin. Terrible that he actually had to become sin and become sickness for us on the cross. How terrible is that? But you know what the end result of when he arose from the dead, he had conquered sin. He had conquered sickness. He had conquered Satan's kingdom and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So triumph came out of terrible tragedy and what Satan started in the Garden of Eden will eventually be totally turned around when Jesus Christ comes back. Oh, the impact of it has been taken care of through the cross. The results of the fall of Adam have been taken care of that we can now become righteous. But as far as domination of the earth, Jesus is gonna come back and finish that whenever he comes back in his eternal kingdom. He's gonna take every evil that Satan has done and turn it around and get glory out of it. Romans 8, 28 all things can work for your glory. It didn't say all things are good. No, all things can turn around and work for your good to those that love God, to those that are the called according to his purpose. And when you understand his purpose in your life and you walk in God's word, God can take those things and turn them around for you. And that's what's gonna happen in this situation. Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That doesn't make sense, but you'll understand later why. Verse seven, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. 
And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day or in the daylight, he will not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus was talking about the walk of the Holy Spirit. It's his word and the Holy Spirit that sheds light on your path. And Jesus is simply saying, I stayed here two days longer because the Holy Spirit has instructed me to do so. Verse 11, and then he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He knows right there, Lazarus has gone and he has died physically. He says, but I go to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Why do we have to go to his house to wake him up? He'll wake up by himself. Now, Jesus in verse 13 had spoken of his death and they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, no, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. So you may believe, let's go to him. So verse 16, Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so we may die with him. Boy, didn't Thomas, doubting Thomas. What a thing to add on there. Well, let's go, let's die too. Well, what he thought was, there's gonna be a lot of Jews there who've been waiting for us to come. Here's the point, understand this. How, why did the Holy Spirit do this? It's because the Pharisees knew that Jesus loved Lazarus and he loved the family so much that the moment that Jesus heard he was sick and dying, Jesus would flee everything and run, and they used it as a weapon so that when Jesus came, they could kill him. Remember this, they were trying to kill him. Jesus just walked right out from their presence. And now Jesus has gone to the place along the Jordan River where he was baptized by John the Baptist and stayed there. He's been there for a while. And all of a sudden word comes to him, Lazarus is sick and dying. And Jesus stayed two days longer by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he stayed so long that Lazarus died. And yet he's staying there for that reason. What reason was it? Is because after two days, the group that was waiting there for Jesus got, they saw he wasn't coming and they just left. They thought he wasn't coming at all. And Jesus stayed over here for two more days. And when he got there, that group was gone. Those that wanted to kill him was gone. The Holy Spirit told him to do that. And when he gets there, he pulls off a bigger miracle than ever. Instead of making Lazarus well because Lazarus was sick, no, Lazarus had physically died and Jesus pulled off a bigger miracle than all, raised him from the dead. And because he raised him from the dead, a lot of people are going to give their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Wow. Can you see how that God's going to turn that around? God used this occasion of the sickness of Lazarus and turn the thing around. The death of Lazarus will give the Jews a chance to capture Jesus. Jesus loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha so much they knew they were best friends. And the Jews know that Jesus will come to heal him. The light that Jesus is speaking about is the divine guidance he walked in of the Holy Spirit. You know what? The Bible calls this earth dark. It calls the world system dark. It talks about the darkness of this world. But you know what? We have a supernatural light in this world that in the midst of darkness, the Holy Spirit can direct our path, his word and his spirit. I agree. Okay, not only is his word, but I think his Holy Spirit is too. A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word lights up my path ahead of me, but so does the Holy Spirit. There's times when the Holy Spirit has talked to me and showed me things to come, but there's also times when the Holy Spirit has brought a scripture to me. In this particular case, there was no scripture brought to Jesus. The Holy Spirit just simply told him, stay here for two more days. And he did. And all those guys waiting to kill him, those assassins over there after two days said, he's not going to come. We thought he really cared for Lazarus, but he doesn't seem to care for him at all. And they all dispersed and walked off, especially after Lazarus died. 
They thought, well, what good is this? Lazarus is dead. They're going to put him into a grave. And sure enough, by the time that Jesus got there, Lazarus was already in a tomb. And Mary and Martha both freak out that Jesus didn't come sooner, knowing he knew and had waited and didn't come. And they thought, what priority is there that you would actually put all these other things above the fact that you loved our brother? Don't you love him like we did? And Jesus had knew exactly what he was gonna do. It was gonna be a greater miracle than all. And so again, Jesus waited two days before going to see Mary and Martha. The Jews at the house thought Jesus would come immediately, but they left when Jesus didn't come and that Lazarus had died. Jesus finally arrived. Lazarus was dead. And Jesus pulled off a bigger miracle, causing many to believe in him. He also bypassed the murder attempt on his life. What have I simply come back to? There's a verse of scripture where John's, in John chapter 14 and verse 13 says that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the first thing. But the second thing he said about him is he will also show you things to come. I want you to notice there is a difference between the truth and things. The truth is the word of God. The main way the Holy Spirit leads you is leading you into all truth, scripture. I actually had a man come to me in church one day and said, I prayed for guidance and all I got was scripture. And I told him, well, what do you expect? The main way the Holy Spirit leads you, I'd say probably 95% of your guidance is he's gonna bring a scripture to you. And the man said, well, that could have been me. I said, no, what makes you so smart that you would have thought, I said, was the scripture in line with what you needed. Well, yes, it's exactly what I needed. I said, there's over 7,000 promises in the word of God. What are the odds that you would have thought of the only scripture or one of the only scriptures that could lead you out of this situation? What are the odds? He goes, well, I guess not. I don't know. I said, then quit looking as if this is just you and not the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we miss the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular. And the Holy Spirit is in the word of God, first of all, the main way. Jesus said first, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the word of God. But then he'll show you things. Things are things outside the word of God, such as, is it proper to want to have a job if you don't have a job? Yes. Is that scriptural? Yes. The Bible tells us if we don't work, then we shouldn't eat. It's simply telling you're lazy if you won't go get a job. So is it scriptural to get a job? Yes. But which company should I work for? Should I go to work for Apple down here or IBM or go to work for an airline over here or work for a car, uh, you know, tire factory, whatever? No, that isn't found in the word of God. Those are things, things outside. So the first way the Holy Spirit would lead you to, you need a job. The next thing the Holy Spirit will lead you to is when you come to a certain business, you'll feel like, you'll know this is where I'm supposed to be. I remember one time when I was going to work and I was going to go to work for Kenneth Hagin Ministries and uh, I eventually led me into teaching at Rhema Bible Training Center. I had managed two electronic stores and there I learned about some business practices and learned about running uh, situations with people and things like that for the two years that I did that. But when I went to work for Kenneth Hagin, it was half of what I'd made in the world. And it was a small position in the ministry, but I knew in my heart that was the right place to be. I just knew it. From the time that I called that ministry because they had an ad in the paper, they needed somebody to work there. The moment that the lady answered on the other end, the Lord said, this is your job. Now that can't be found in the word of God. Is it proper that I have a job? Yes, and the word of God tells me that, but not to go to work for this ministry as opposed to this this business over here. I knew that in my heart. In this particular case, Jesus did not have 
a scripture to fall back on, but the Holy Spirit told him, stay here for two days. He did, and God turned this around to an incredible miracle. So again, the main way the Holy Spirit leads is again by the word, but also by things. He'll show you things to come. The Shekinah glory was a lamp over the, uh, the camp, a light over the camp for the people. The glory fire lit the camp at night, and so does the Holy Spirit light our light and show us our path in the midst of a dark world around us because the world is in darkness. The Holy Spirit told Elisha what went on in the enemy's camp and in the king's bedchamber. You can't find that in scripture, but the Holy Spirit can show you those things. The king of Judah could ambush the ambush. Romans chapter eight and verse 14 says, all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Maturity in the Christian life leads you closer to a relationship with the Holy Spirit who can now show you again those things in the word of God and illuminate them, but also show you things to come. My dad was driving home one night after church and I was a small in the back seat. And my dad, as we went across a bridge over the Arkansas River, my dad was in the right lane, suddenly swerved into the middle lane. And all of a sudden, boom, the front tire went out. I found out later, he told me, he said, the Lord told me to pull over to the left. I started to argue with the Lord and he says, the Holy Spirit said again, move over now. He said, I pulled over as fast as I could and the right front tire blew. He was in the lane over here that would have sent him over through a, uh, through a uh, fence into the Arkansas River. The Holy Spirit told him to pull over just at the right time. John 14, 13, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.